Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic episode 164. Today we're examining the differences between an e-commerce web project and a regular web project. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Liquid Web. While Liquid Web has best been known as a managed hosting company with tons of options, it's also designed a managed WordPress offering that's perfect for mission-critical sites. And if you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner that you've been looking for. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iTheme Sync integrated right into their management portal. And this allows them to update several sites with a single touch. So if you sign up today using the discount code WPTONIC33, you'll get a 33% discount for the next six months. Visit liquidweb.com slash WordPress to get started and use that discount code WPTONIC33. With that, uh, I want to introduce uh, our guest for this Saturday episode, Cody uh, Landefeld. Cody, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do. Good job, John, pronouncing my name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Cody Landefeld, founder at Modefect, co-founder at Modefect, along with uh, my wife, Raquel. And, uh, you know, we are a small but mighty WordPress slash e-commerce consultancy, uh, working with enterprise brands and startup and small businesses, um, trying not to be all things to all people, but... Uh, we're definitely best known for that. Uh, so you can obviously check us out uh, at modeffect.com and at modeffect on any of the social channels you're on. So yeah, thanks for having me on. No, definitely. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's long overdue. Uh, i also like to introduce my co-host, Jonathan. Tell oh. us a little bit about yourself. Oh, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a support um, maintenance company, but we also take on larger projects as a trusted partner in the WordPress community. Yep. And definitely there's a lot to trust there. Um, I'm John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design. Uh, and I help blue collar industries, the stuff like your, uh, you know, uh, you know, auto shops, things like that with local SEO and uh, custom WordPress development. Uh, before we get into our main story today, we have three WordPress news stories. And uh, the first one is kind of topical to what we're talking about today. Uh, we saw this on the WP Tavern, that uh, logging into WordPress, or uh, I should say, logging into WooCommerce.com now requires you to have a WordPress.com account similar to Jetpack. Uh, Cody, I wanted to ask you, like, how is this going to affect uh, people who have a, a, a WooCommerce account, and and uh, are there what are the pros and cons of this? Uh, so, I think if you're obviously if you're part of the WordPress community at large or the bigger the uppercase C, uh, it's not uncommon to know that automatic obviously required acquired. WooCommerce or Woo Themes back in 2015. So there's kind of been a known adjustment or a known integration happening behind the scenes up until this point. I think that it's hard to tell based on how that audience is divided and the audience meaning the customers of WooCommerce because you've got a lot of people that are developers that help customers build e-commerce websites and to them it might make no difference but you know there's a lot of maybe store owners or people that are diy who it it might not make a difference either i think the key thing is kind of goes back to the difference between com and org uh, i kind of feel like there's more folks that are so on the org side don't have a reason to be on the com side that it's a little bit maybe jarring 
to see that difference or see that now requirement because I'll speak for myself. Uh, you know, we've, we've been working with automatic on, on helping with some projects and doing some things. And, um, but before then I had to go rescue my wordpress.com account. I didn't even know what it was under because I just simply didn't do anything over there. So I think it's a little bit of a, it's going to take a little bit of a process and I think it's going to be a little bit of a difference, honestly, because I think there's, it seems to be that there's a lot of folks in that .org uh, camp that are also probably using WooCommerce that it's, it's going to take a little bit of a step back or a little bit of acquaint, uh, getting acquainted with that process now where they might not be using any other .com resources. At least that's my feeling on it. So, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, and an important thing to note, too, you can – this is for actually, like, maintaining uh, your your WooCommerce.com account or, like, updating your, like, Woo themes. Uh, will, will that cause, like, any reaction for, for people who maybe um, uh, have been on cruise control um, when it comes to, like, updating plugins? Well, I think it's similar to the Jetpack effect with WordPress.org. Automatic has definitely been moving to implement their brand and their features into .org and getting more users and used to interacting with those services. So I think it'll be similar to how Jetpack has rolled out things. And of course, this is just based on opinion or, or seeing I think the subtlety of how they're doing things is, is fine too. You know, I think um, you could also look at the, and this is getting a little bit off topic, but you could see that wordpress.com is, is doing a lot of work to get a lot more traction, a lot more customer awareness with a lot of their advertising and a lot of things we're starting to see pop up. So I think in turn, it's just going to, I really think it's a good thing for the community, not only just, that advertising of the dot-com side, but also bridging the gap a little bit to where some of us on the .org side, some of us strictly just to have been using WooCommerce with .org, we're going to see the effects of that because more users are going to come onto the platform. So I know that's a little bit of an off-topic answer, but no, not really. similar to Jetpack in the sense that how they put that into .org. Uh, Jonathan, any thoughts on, on this change? <laughs> Not really. No, I haven't really. I haven't got any constructive, you know, anything. You know, I've made my views about Jetpack quite clear, um, and I understand why they're doing it. But I haven't got any strong opinions about it. I think your opinion about it was, which is unusual, was a bit stronger than mine, really, wasn't it, John? Um, you know, I, I just, I, I have a lot of clients that have WooCommerce sites. I mean, I, I have a good chunk of my stable is, is, uh, you know, WooCommerce clients and a lot of them are very hands off and I, I can already tell that like some of them are going to be, uh, you know, like what's up because I know some of them don't have WordPress.com accounts. And so when the time comes to either log into their account or uh, update their plugins or, you know, what have you there, this is going to be an extra step for them. Um, I, I can tell you from personal experience that, uh, you know, some people are, you know, their frustrations, any types of frustrations that they have with any component of, of the site, whether that's WooCommerce or a theme or a plugin, it all boils down to, uh, they they put that blame on WordPress, um, or you know in this case you know it could be like WooCommerce you know, so uh, I think that it's a necessary step, especially if they want to uh, more tightly couple some of their offerings into WordPress.com, and I can see this is is kind of a shift toward finally integrating WooCommerce into the .com offering. And I, I can see this as, as kind of a first step um, to making it maybe more of a, a service offering um, instead of just buying plugins and, and, you know, on a yearly subscription. But I, I, I can see this as a first step in, in, into like their larger plans. And, and so this was probably going to happen at some point anyway. So um, our second news story was something that uh, just happened midweek was 
there is a security release for uh, WordPress. This was 472. This was a security release. Uh, anybody that was on 470, there's a vulnerability related to the REST API where an unauthenticated user could modify the content of any poster page within a WordPress site uh, using content injection. Uh, Cody, um, you know, thoughts on this? Well, I don't think it's a surprise because the all the endpoint stuff, you know, they're, they're really trying to drive the ability to do you know, outside apps with JavaScript and whatnot. So it's bound to find some flaws. That's why it's such a such a huge thing for customers to keep their sites updated. I mean, so we kudos to the community as well. I mean, that's what makes WordPress so great. I mean, we quickly would find these these vulnerabilities and make sure that they're fixed. So um, th- those are really my thoughts. Stay updated and uh, glad to be part of such a good community that's on top of making sure things work well. Yeah, definitely. Jonathan, thoughts thoughts on this? Uh, you have all your people updated. Yeah, but that's why you need a good service company. Um, right, right. Yeah, you know, I was bound to say that, folks. Give me some leeway. Um, it was interesting. It was around the restless API, but like, but it wasn't that surprising, really, was it? Um, because you know, it's there's been a few eyes looking at it and a lot of people have been working on it, but I wasn't that surprised because um, you're adding another layer of complexion on um, something that's already pretty complicated. Um, but my remarks are very similar. Um, you know, it's just great that, it, you know, it's a two-edged sword, isn't it, really? You know, because I've I mentioned that I was... I've had some conversations with some IT um, people that were talking, you know, you hear that were linked to state level where they were saying that WordPress was unsecure compared to other solutions, but the other solutions were never quantified to me. And obviously I kicked back on it because I don't actually think that's true at all. Um so having updates if you've got that really uh, point of view something like this might actually confirm your bias where you should be taking the totally opposite that there's a lot of people looking at this software and when a serious bug is found it it's dealt with pretty quick isn't it john now that's a great point that you bring up in and um there are a lot of eyes looking at it now yeah i've had a lot of people ask questions about that too when it comes to updating a wordpress i i think in in on on all levels not just the small businesses but even uh larger businesses sometimes there's uh people don't think about the uh, updating things like the plugin wordpress core and themes but uh something that i saw someone on twitter say i can't remember who um but it was the fact that if your software is he's lost in thought, he's, he's lost. He was in deep fault there, isn't he? And he's gone a little <laughs> bit. Um, well, what what did you think about this? My point, really, um, Cody, because it is a bit of a you know. Do you hear this when you're talking to maybe larger clients about the whole subject of WordPress and security? Is it something that comes up at all? You know, it does. Uh, right now we're working with a uh, larger university to migrate their website from an old ASP C- CMS to WordPress and largely dealing with the IT staff. And there's just a lot of confusion around how secure WordPress is, but they've got a content staff that's really pushing for a better tool as opposed to something that's just built and was built at one point and doesn't do things right. So, of course, the IT staff always is, is, is just going to throw out a blanket statement to say, well, you know, it's you got to maintain it. It's open source. You know, open source is, is more risky. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the, yeah, the thing... The whole point- 
Sorry to interrupt, but that's ridiculous, okay. isn't it? Because the whole thing, it's, it's like, because it's open source, it's more secure, isn't it? Yeah, there's no, there's no, nothing, yeah, like you said, Jonathan, there's nothing quantifiable to throw at it because it's like, all right, so, yeah, technically, but you see so many people advocating for using Drupal, and that's technically open source, if I'm, last time I checked, I mean, so, it's just, people like their tools, and people can't get certain perceptions out of their mind and you know it's it's a challenge but i think uh, the the danger is you know just also on the flip side of that assumption i mean there's even even we've started to roll out a lot of maintenance for our clients just because we saw that we neglected it they neglected it and really we're putting our professional reputation on the line if something blows up but you know the objections that i've faced in that is like oh well we don't know our website's running fine but as soon as those customers start to do the research, they see the value in getting things maintained. And so that's why it's, you know, so helpful to make sure you're staying on top of it for sure. Oh, my co-host rejoined us had a yeah. um, technical hitch, folks, but he's back. Yeah, I just my signal dropped. Um, no, I, I love what you say about that, Cody. And that is the thing that, that a lot of people don't get is the fact that there are a lot of security releases is a good thing. It means that we're exposing the bugs. It's when it goes a year and there's no security releases that things are slipping through the cracks. So if it, there's other CMSs. And I love what you said too about at Modeffect, you guys actually, you know, we're stepping up and, and pushing like maintenance agreements because a lot of companies, whether they're small, medium, or large, just they get the, the WordPress site launched and there's a tendency to not update anything. Um, and I've seen this at all levels, not just small business. I've seen it on every single level um, m- multiple times. Um, so it, it, it is a good thing to, uh, you know, have maintenance, whether you're using WordPress, whether you're using Drupal, Joomla, no matter what you're using. Any website can be hacked. And, uh, you know, the less maintenance it's done, the more likelihood that it's going to be hacked. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Everybody update to 4.72. Uh, third news story that we had was uh, something that our own uh, panel member, Morton Rand Hendrickson, has talked about in the past, and this is a, a telemetry proposal um, addressing a couple things. Um, first, the, the WordPress project itself uh, kind of adds features, and, and his argument is we should be collecting some sort of anonymous data on how people use WordPress so we can uh, figure out what features we need to improve or what ones we need to add. Um, And uh, a lot of people are are in agreement with this, but one of the things uh, that needs to be addressed too is uh, there's a a European uh, regulation, the General Data Protection Regulation, that's going to go into effect in May 2018, which would... Uh, require any websites uh, to uh, say like what data they're collecting, what data they're um, uh, getting and stuff like that. And so if, if this is going to be done, it needs to be done uh, in a certain time frame uh, because it gets trickier when you're dealing with international laws. Uh, Cody, what, what are your thoughts on this? Is telemetry a good thing? Is, is it time to kind of maybe get some sort of idea of like how people are using WordPress um, and not fly by the seat of our pants? Um, and, and what are your thoughts on privacy issues? Well, it's a, it would be a benefit to users and developers like ourselves to get that kind of data, but it just goes back to the argument of accountability when you're trusting some entity or some organization to start tracking any bit of information, right. you're going to find that it's, it's hard to just completely, you know, implicitly trust them to not go too far with that information as well. But, you know, our, our company, we use a lot of things with regards to marketing that we get. I mean, I, I was just looking at videos from seeing how people use my site and see how they, you know, uh, interact with certain marketing things on my site. So technically I, I have recordings of people who everybody who visits our site. So, you know, I mean, those things are happening whether we like it or not um, by if somebody, if, if the bigger entity or the more trusted entity is, isn't going to do that, then somebody is going to step up and do it. 
But again, the only I think the only argument really is just accountability, making sure that it doesn't go too far. Yeah, definitely. Privacy is always a concern. You want to make sure that the dead the data is anonymized. Um, Jonathan, any thoughts on this proposal? Well, uh, I suppose it's supposed going to be a little bit flippant, but you said privacy. There is no privacy. You know, when we were into interviewing um, Jeremy Keith last week, which um, you want to go and listen to it, folks, and you want to listen to the right. art, the bonus section. Um, Sh- shameless which, plug. Yeah. Uh, which I thought we had an excellent discussion on some slightly broader subjects, and I brought up um, Edward Snowden, in my view, um, there is no privacy anymore in America or Britain or in Europe. You know, the security services are watching us all consistently. Um, And um, so any kind of um, anything online, um, unless you're utilising quite um unusual security methods that would probably um um make you of interest to some groups because you're used utilizing those security methods um there is no privacy anymore so it's a it's a totally in some ways a wasted conversation because it doesn't exist anymore yeah I, I do think what Morton put forward is is a good idea. I mean, we do need to be, I, I would say, like, we just can't, I, I think the project has just been kind of building features, maybe in part to compete with other platforms. We've seen that with post formats. It was kind of an attempt to, uh, you know, gain some ground on Tumblr, and I think, you know, most recently, you know, kind of pushing everything toward the customizers. At least the way I interpret it is is a way to compete with Wix and Squarespace, exactly. and so exactly. it would it would be good to kind of know how people are using stuff. I mean, that's kind of like when we talk about like human centered design. When we talk about design research, knowing how people are using it is kind of like the first steps in in uh, doing design thinking. So, I mean, it would be good to have some sort of anonymized information, but definitely privacies are a concern. That's that's got to be sure that that data is is not storing information about people, but it's completely anonymized. It's got to be compliant with international laws. Uh, you know anything, you know, and WordPress is is you know worldwide. It's you know twenty seven percent of the web. Um, so those things have got to be dealt with in a delicate manner. Um, I do think it is a good idea. Uh, we'll see if it gets done. Um, I think with enough people behind it you know, it could be a good thing for the WordPress project. Um, I think we're up against our first break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to be talking our main subject, which is the differences between an e-commerce project and a regular web project. We'll be back in just a second. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast we're back from our break we're talking with our guest Cody uh, Landefeld (laughs) (laughs) there we go twice in a row (laughs) Uh, so uh, Cody when it comes to you know prepping for uh, an e-commerce project and say like a regular just marketing site no bells no whistles Um, what are the things that that your clients maybe don't realize uh, what are some of the things that they don't realize that they need to kind of prepare for and and get information on before uh, you build them an e-commerce site good question you know on the creation end it definitely does take a little bit of education depending on who the customer is. In most cases, it's somebody who's starting 
if you have somebody who's migrating, who has a successful store, I think they're more aware of what they're looking at. But for the case of the customer who's wanting to start selling online using WooCommerce, as opposed to just a simple WordPress site, you have a lot more things to prepare, a lot more things to configure. Uh, And that speaks to also how things are developed, how things are designed. And, you know, and that will all all be informed by their goals as well. So I think overall, there is more effort and we help to explain just by the fact that it's this basic marketing site coupled with an application allows you to sell your products and process online and manage that whole process. But the larger part of it goes towards what their actual goals are to really speak to the length of that. So uh, that's that's really the simplest way to put it, and without getting too technical or getting into the right, you know, nitty gritty. So, and and Jonathan, what what are some things that you've noticed? Uh, you know, differences between e-commerce and uh, um, regular like marketing sites that that maybe clients don't think of right off the top of the bat. We got all the security issues, haven't you? Which, um, you know, you're taking people's credit cards and personal data. So, you, you, you know, obviously, um, most people um, won't be storing, they won't be running at that level, they won't be running their own server. So, they've got when that data is transferred. Um, it's going to be transferred security, and it's going to be, to some extent, it's going to be somebody else's problem. But um, you know, I was dealing with a a problem with a gateway provider that um, it was a WooCommerce site, and they they had um, they had done a deal with their bank, and they had got I'm not going to name the bank or anything, but they um, it's right. a well known bank. And they had got a fantastic deal, well, it looks like a deal, but um, to get that deal, they had to utilise a gateway provider that I have never heard of. Um, and um, they had tried to um, utilise a free plugin to, because the plugin that WooCommerce on the WooCommerce site recommended was a hundred was around about one hundred and ninety nine dollars, and they bolted. So they found this free one, and it wasn't working. And we looked at the code, and we told them it would never work. So, but we found them yeah. um, another possible Premier plugin that was around forty dollars, and we said have a go at that, and that solved the problem. Um, so. You, can you see where I'm going with this? It, I can. It, it, I definitely can. Really, yeah. It really does increase, you know, the amount of different things you're dealing with because they just expected that the bank. My experience of banks' recommendation of their gateways are horrendous. You should run to the hills, but that's my. I'm just basing that on my experience. They normally are the most frightful setups possible. Um, I don't know if Cody's going to agree with that. I'm just basing it on my experience. But you can get into these into these slight nightmares, can't you, John? That you've got to be aware of, haven't you? Well, definitely. And, and one thing that I found, too, and I'm going to ask Cody this as well, is you know, when it comes to just say you're launching a marketing site, you, you know, you have, you're going to do I your hate, regular. I hate you saying that, John. Oh, yeah. I need to banish just completely. Oh, you really, really do need to banish yeah. that term, don't you? I, I need to banish that from my vocabulary. There is no such word as J-U-S-T. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and Cody, and, and this has been my experience. Uh, when you're building a marketing site versus a e-commerce site there's things that 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 you need to prep for which would be you know figuring out like what payment gateway you're going to use setting up that account making sure you have the right hosting uh, you know getting your ssl uh, certificate secured all the, all those things you know in, in your experience what what are you know the main component things that that differ that that you're putting on that list of things that that need to be settled uh that's different 
Well, using WordPress, obviously the dependencies increase uh, and you're, you're hitting them all in the head, SSL. I mean, we're pushing for SSL no matter what the customer is right. doing nowadays. But, uh, you know, Gateway, there has to be something set up. Uh, you know, I, I just don't think you can get by with just doing the freebie pl- uh, PayPal thing anymore. It's just not a, it's just, I, I don't, you got to compete. You got to have some similarity between your competition. And, you know, I, we just did a recent post. I, I don't mean to hijack the whole show, but. Oh, yeah, that's fine. We'll link well, it up. I, I regularly do it. So why not have a go, Cody? <laughs> All right. So for the next 15 minutes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize my latest blog post. I'm just, <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I thought as a customer or, or something that really will help us in the long run of helping uh, really get customers, uh, you know, their expectations up ahead satisfied is putting together what the cost would be. And so we wrote a a post just recently a week or so ago about, you know, what is it, what's a, what's a WooCommerce site cost? Because I think that's a key difference between WordPress. I mean, whether you're going on.com and you want to do it as cheap as possible, or if you're doing.org and you want to do, you know, minimal plugins and really just go with your 399 a month hosting it, it's really, you know, WooCommerce is a bigger responsibility for an owner. And I think that sometimes it's, you know, and obviously customer dependent, you just have to, you have to take on certain dependencies. My recommendations really come down to obviously, you know, SSL, the transaction gateway stuff, Uh, you have to have some marketing implemented. I mean, you have to, this is e-commerce for crying out loud. I mean, you have to have, some type of follow-up or some type of hook for potential customers. I mean, case in point, I just did a, uh, I had a chat with a potential customer this week and they had a one page site that was selling a product. But the thing that they couldn't understand was that you only are representing the last step in the process of your potential buyer. You have nothing to bring them in or entice them or get them interested in your product. You have absolutely no content no follow-up process, and it's as if there's no brand, but yet just here we are, we're basically a one-page checkout with Amazon. So it's like, you know, there's so many things that you need to think of in terms of not only just the SSL, hosting, the gateway, but also marketing, also making sure that you have, you know, the correct pieces in place. So, uh, you know, there again, we, we covered that well in the article, and of course, I don't remember all those things off the top of my head right now on a Saturday morning. But again, it's just you're, you're, you're really taking a bigger level of responsibility when you're running an e-commerce site. And I think that's the one thing customers have to remember. No, you hit on some really great points. Um, one thing is, you know, like the $3 a month shared hosting is not going to cut it for WooCommerce because it is a full-blown web application. You're going to need adequate hosting. You're going to need uh, some type of hosting that oh, can... Yeah. Can I actually say something a little bit controversial, yeah. actually, John? Surprise! Jump surprise. right in. I don't think WooCommerce is really the most ideal solution for somebody starting out. I, I really, if they're starting out on this, I really would recommend them to Shopify. I've got to be brutally honest about it. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I would agree with that. I think for twenty nine, was it twenty nine ninety nine? And um, I, but I would say to them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't invest. I wouldn't go potty with this. Uh, with Shopify, I would take one of their really nice free themes, and I would get something up, and I would educate myself about e-commerce and about getting an audience. Everything Cody's talked about, and I wouldn't invest a load of money on their third-party plugin and their infrastructure. I would just use it because I think when you get to a certain level, I think it does make a lot of sense to move from Shopify, even though it's a great platform, to WordPress because I think WordPress offers a lot more possibility of individualizing your e-commerce experience, your brand. But if you have no customer base and you have nothing, that doesn't really matter, does it, John? No, it doesn't. And and I'm going to see if Cody agrees with this. I actually had a case like very recently where someone was referred to me and they were opening 
a e-commerce store and uh, along with the physical uh, bricks and mortar store. And I said, well, what's your, you know, what's your monthly revenue right now from, you know, and they're like, well, we're just opening, you know, we, we have funding, we have a budget, um, but we just have no, yeah, we don't have any revenue like as of yet. And I said, what you should do, and I told him the same thing, like go set up something like on Shopify. Once you have like a monthly revenue, then come back, let's do like a WooCommerce store or something like that. And then we'll hook you up. Um, and the reason being is I, you don't know if it's going to fail. And then if it fails, whose fault is that going to be? Well, that's going to be John's fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's always uh, your fault, John. I'm, I'm just interested yeah. to see what Cody's reaction to. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what's your opinion on that? Is 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 like WooCommerce? I I would say is like a great thing for for people who are have some sort of established revenue with a product. But but do you like just get them on that uh, like from from the start? Or what's your feelings on this? Yeah, it's a good question, and I and I agree with what Jonathan said. I, I've said the same thing. You know, if you're selling one product, you're starting up, and you're very cost conscious, as you should be starting out. Uh, Shopify is not a bad deal. I mean, it's a hosted solution. There's no technical uh, headache there. I mean, let's face it, WooCommerce, like like was said from you, John. I mean, it's a it's a web application. It's it's a large responsibility. And the beauty of it is it's something you can invest in, something you can actually own, and you can do a lot of things with it. But again, not always suitable for your entry-level person who's coming on to the plat, just, just coming directly into e-commerce. Now, the one thing I would I would maybe disagree with you, John, on is depending on a first customer, I think the other question is asking them a couple of other questions of qualifying, which I'm sure you did, have they done this type of business before? Do they have experience in their industry? Uh, what are your goals? I mean, because the other flip side of that, with even with zero revenue, I, I don't think it's a risk on our end. First of all, if, de- if developers get paid anything, we're not co-signing on their business. We're not partnering with their business from a standpoint right. of ownership. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I think we have to advise them in lockstep with their goals while at the same time being just a little bit skeptical of what can be accomplished. I, it's, it's never a clear cut answer, but I wouldn't necessarily disqualify a startup customer from WooCommerce if their goals were in line and their experience was in line. But again, save for the case of the very cost conscious startup customer who's brand new to e-commerce, do not start with, with Woo. Um, one more last thing to throw in there. I think it's a little bit of a weird journey because WordPress is, and especially WordPress.com is so known as the easiest way, just like say a Wix or whatever builders there are out there. WordPress.com has done a pretty good job of positioning themselves in the market as a very low barrier to entry, getting something up and online. Whereas with, with e-commerce, I think Shopify has beaten them to market being first is an easier example. So I could see it definitely would be to their benefit at some point to roll out a hosted version of WooCommerce that takes out that thing, which, which personally I would say could benefit the benefit folks like ourselves where you're kind of moved from .com to .org or I think that's the only key thing they need to do is really make sure they get that, 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 uh, differentiation right so yeah the other thing I, I want to see if um, both you John and Cody you both agree with this my experience of this is that clients tend to get engrossed with a I've never met e-commerce any kind of that's gone above gone above this the kind of start that doesn't have some element of unique necessity in the checkout in the actual business logic of the product this idea that there's some kind of totally bog standard e-commerce i've never found it but i think shopify satisfies because i think 
my experience of a couple of large Shopify projects that a couple of years ago I was involved. You can spend a ton of money with Shopify by customizing, customize it by utilizing their. I think it was called Liquid, their scripting yeah. language. By, and then they utilize a load of third-party JavaScript, third-party. You could throw a load of money at that. You know, you could go bonkers with that. But I think I. I am committed to WordPress because I think at a certain stage with Shopify, I don't actually think that makes logic. You're better off going to WooCommerce if you're going to, you've gone past that stage of proving that there's a market there, proving that there's actually going to be people buying your stuff online and you've worked out the shipping, you've worked out the taxation and you worked out some marketing strategy. That's, that's what I feel about it. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think that you can throw a lot of money at um, Shopify, and there are people that do that. There are you know uh, places that just specialize in, in doing uh, the liquid temp- templating. But I, I do think that what you're saying is correct. I think um, if it's an unproven uh, business and the people behind it don't have experience and they're just testing the waters it's easier to spend 29 a month than to commission a full-blown e-commerce site um something that that you mentioned like previously cody that that i want to come back to is when it comes to you know launching an e-commerce site a lot of people uh have the 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 kind of feeling like if you just build it people are going to show up and and buy all the product but, you know, something you said was there has to be some sort of compelling content. Like a, as a wise person once said, like a, a compelling offer is, is uh, better than a, a winning argument. And um, you need to draw people in there with content. Is that when it comes to like accompanying com- content, like the product story, the story of the company um, and, and content that revolves around why people would want to buy that product? Is that something that that people uh, fail to plan for. Yeah, I know a guy who wrote an article recently, and I've quoted this. It's like your website's not a field of dreams, right? Uh, who wrote that again? Oh, yeah, that, that guy's pretty cool. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think again, the trouble with WordPress and WooCommerce is we've gotten it into consciousness so much. There's so many DIY and there's so many assumptions. It's like, okay, I'm just gonna you know, get this thing going on my own and, and build it up and hopefully it gets done. But yeah, there's a lot of education here. And I think, you know, it's, it's no, it's no difference with anything in business, right? Like, you know, if we talked about Michael Gerber, talked about Gary Vee in the pre-show and these guys are going to say the same to anybody in business. It's like, you know, you're not going to have, you're not, there's no tomorrow you're a millionaire tomorrow you have a million dollars in revenue. You have to work really hard at it. So that that's the key. And I think, you know, as as consultants and people who uh, put out this content, we need to constantly be educating the folks who launch these sites to say, yo, it's, you got to put out really compelling content. You got to be able to drive awareness and also make a way to capture that interest. You know what I mean? To build up interest because so e-commerce is just lends itself to a lot of people who online shop or doing research and it might be a long time before they actually uh, buy something from you. So you really have to be well positioned to get acquainted with them as easy as possible. Well, okay. So here's a follow-up question. This just kind of popped in my mind, but um, when it comes to building up anticipation for a product launch, is it a good idea to maybe set up uh, not only like an email sign-up list and then kind of create content that leads into the product launch. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I think, again, it also is dependent on the type of business you're working with. If they're brand new startup and it's a physical product that could see delays or whatnot, that's, that's one other thing. But if there's already somewhat of an established product line and they're launching an additional product and they've had success in the past and it's easier to predict that this is going to come out without a had a hitch, then by all means, absolutely. And I think that just goes back to natural, 
you know, marketing or historically how people have done marketing all along. You want to drive that hype and awareness and drive people to the site, uh, you know, and that's no different than any other brands or anybody who's sold things in stores and online. So absolutely. But again, always, always tailor that advice or qualifying that advice to your, who your customer is. Uh, yeah, definitely. Jonathan? Well, it's, oh God, uh, let's go for it. Uh, um, um, it, it's it's also around this whole problem. Yeah, I, I love WordPress to bits, but it, this whole thing, WooCommerce, it's free. There's nothing free about it, folks. Yes, you can get the plugin, bun it on, and there's going to be a lot of screens there, and um, and then you're going to find that that there's probably quite a substantial list of paid plugins that you're going to probably need to buy to get it going but then you've got the whole things there there, there ain't anybody coming to that website um, and it's going to take a lot of work and money to get any kind of traffic and then you've got the whole thing about converting them which isn't worth talking about unless you start getting some traffic isn't it so the whole but it it is the whole problem with it's free it's a free plugin so it gives the wrong impression from day one really doesn't it john or or cody i don't know if you agree with that i would agree yeah it, it's it's tough there's a lot i still think the woocommerce audience and the user base customers using it is still fairly young and I think there's a lot of education that can be done to really help people understand the best use case for it. And yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, on the flip side though, even though it takes a lot of time and effort and cost, the beauty of it is, is that there are so many tools out there positioned to really help you get a, get as much feedback because similar to like the whole subject we're talking about, what's the difference between a, you know, traditional marketing site as opposed to e-commerce website there are so many tools out there that really take out the subjectivity of, you know, hey, does my site look good or, or the aesthetics? We're really able to get tools, again, to just see a customer's interaction. What did we do? Is something go on the left, right, split testing, all those things that really just help uh, get best position to get yourself uh, success as possible. So I think, you know, that's that's the flip side of it. I mean, although it does take time and cost, it is possible. Definitely. Um, when it comes to people that are, you know, maybe they're setting up their first or second e-commerce site, they don't have a lot of deep experience uh, in, you know, running an e-commerce business. What are some of the things that take them by surprise? You know, maybe things that they didn't think about. Uh, would it be like shipping rates? Uh, working out logistics, taxes, you know, what are some of the things that people come up uh, to you and express that they, that they didn't necessarily think about? You know, most of the time it's traffic because I think the challenges with us in the WordPress community, developers, I mean, a lot of us are designers, developers, and we're not coming at it from our first skill set being marketing. So, we are all, I, I believe, and I'm only speak for myself, I've been guilty of getting everybody as many tools as I know as possible, but yet not giving them the mark, just at least some expectation on marketing. So like you said, John, I've been guilty of leading somebody down the road, building them a beautiful website, and then you log in three months later and it's got zero sales. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's it's you. I, whether the customer is going to come back and feel some type of uh, frustration towards us, which I, I could understand that that would be the case. I, I also think that, you know, it's, it's still a, a, not a good feeling because that is one of the key things that people wonder about at least coming in. So now what I've, I've done is somebody comes through the door and they've got a certain budget. The first thing I say is like, let's not spend all this budget trying to build the site. Let's reserve you need to reserve a good amount to spend towards marketing and, and dedicate that and, and be patient and know that it's going to take a while to build it up. So, yeah, I mean, not so much the shipping, not so much uh, fees. I think those are easier to get over. It's really 
just the marketing is is the key traffic i totally agree i actually believe that two-thirds of any budget should go to the marketing and third to you know i, I know a lot of developers and designers gonna hate me to say this um but this is what i believe i believe that two-thirds of any budget should go to marketing and a third should go to development and um and then if there's if there's benefit from unique processes that you can get from WooCommerce, that should go like 50-50 because part of the actual biz- the, the business model is how the actual e-commerce website, the, how it functions, if you understand. But that's my position. What do you reckon, John? Do you think I'm bonkers? No, I don't think you're blabbing. I think you're right on... Uh you're right on Mark. And that's something I want to ask Cody, you know, when it comes to planning out uh, kind of the marketing of the site and drawing people to it, what are, what are some uh, steps through or what are some strategies that uh, site owners can use? Would you recommend something like Facebook ads, uh, Google shopping ping uh, for, for that ad placement, uh, what, what are things that, that you would suggest? It always varies on the product, but I also want to uh, agree with Jonathan's statement too. I mean, with the marketing, that specifically has been a challenge for us as an agency revenue wise, because it drives me crazy that, you know, you've got all kinds of online marketing companies that can grow in, in recurring revenue where it's a struggle to get project money out of people and get them to justify spending what we think they should spend on a project, but uh, it's reality. I mean, it's absolutely clear. But to your question, John, on recommendations, it's always it's always specific. One thing we've been really talking about a lot is using Amazon for a marketing channel. I think you know Amazon is is kind of if you're in e-commerce, Amazon is your Google. I mean, you, well, specifically in the physical product space. Yeah. And, you know, your audience is there already. Uh, Google similar, your audience is there. Facebook, your audience is there. But there's different approaches to how you use those channels. So I, that advice is definitely specific to the type of product and the goals that your customer has for sure. No, and that's great. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that uh, as well. And, and maybe that runs counterintuitive to what developers may think, but a lot of it is being on Amazon. Uh, You know, if you're dealing in the physical product space, you can't just rely strictly on your website. You've got to be in different places uh, as well. Yeah, but I think also I totally agree, but I also feel that, and this has been partly down to me, is that I've also been a little bit, I hope I don't give the impression to people that success isn't possible. Because um, I, I'm a, we, I'm attempting to get this this couple onto the show, John. Uh, okay. Um, it, they run a they run a, a wall business. They were both in IT, and they came to Reno and they they opened a physical store that sells wool. Um, don't you know for knitting? Yeah. And um, and then they started a e-commerce solution. And um, now they've got, I think they've got three physical stores and they've got a very, very profitable e-commerce business. Um, and and I'm going to try and get them on because I think it would be eye-opener that if you do do things, you can still get tremendous success as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a question like Cody when it comes to um, intertwining, say, uh, a bricks and mortar store and an e-commerce store. Is there any uh, additional planning that needs to go into that, or you know, how do those s- strategies work out? Like intertwining, like a physical store and a in an online store. Yeah, uh, I think there's definitely a you know a, a way to support both because, for instance, I mean, we had a call with a a company that's launching a coffee store, and they coffee let's face it if you're if you got a drive through and you're selling coffee to people there's a different use case for how you're going to use your website 
specifically speaking to transactions than you do with your store. Um, so in an instance with a coffee, you know, whether you're a roaster or you're just a coffee serving actual, you know, coffee drinks or whatever, uh, you could use your website to sell subscriptions. You can use your website to just ship pounds of coffee and keep it very specific. But yet your website for your brick and mortar is going to be really about marketing and driving awareness about how to find your physical locations. So, you know, that's, that's a different, a full different strategy because obviously, I mean, maybe like in the sense of Starbucks, you can order your drink up ahead and you can show up to the store and it's waiting for you. But in the case of most of the customers we're likely going to work with, it's, you know, you have to go with some type of a different strategy that's going to add maybe an additional revenue stream to help step, you know, stand up the, the physical store. And I think that's having the best of both worlds. I mean, if you've got, you know, I don't know, you said it's a wool company, they create wool or something. Yeah, they, um, they made a kind of experience where they provide training, videos, a lot of con. They have people come in, they, they do lessons, they help. Um, it's a world I know nothing about, um, Cody. It's nothing about, but you, you, when you're a kind of online marketer, you tick all the boxes that they that you would recommend, and which you hardly ever see any um, actual work to actually tick the boxes. They literally ticked every box, you know. So I thought they would be a good thing to get on WP Tonic, um, just to show you that if you do, it took a ton of work and and a lot of a lot of hard work don't get me wrong it was no overnight but i think they'd be a, a great inspiration of oh for real um, yeah because um, a lot of people you just talk about success but if you can show that if you do these things um you can get great success but it's going to be a much longer term project and um but the great thing is you have got tools like Shopify, you have got tools like WooCommerce because, um, you know, I think of the two I would recommend it is Shopify and WooCommerce. And, you know, if you enter by Mongento, but the couple projects that I've ever been involved with Mongento, um, I literally wanted to get a gun and just shoot. <laughs> just wanted to go and kill myself. Um, I, um literally they were just reskinning you know I, i'm a mediocre front-end developer that's trying to become a really good marketer um but i tried to reskin and we it was done um a mongento theme and i just kind of got very sad yeah <laughs> yeah same same here uh so for the folks with the wool like um you know, it sounds like they're doing a similar thing in the sense that they're, you know, you could, you could have a, a physical store where you're, you're like preparing all these products, right. And selling them in bulk or whichever channels through your website or whatever, or just in the store. But then there's a whole component of training. And, and I'm sure if you look and maybe specifically selling the courses through the site, I mean, there's, it's really a chance for a business to diversify their their uh, revenue streams and bring out you know additional revenue streams to their business. And uh, WooCommerce is fantastic for that because again, you're stepping into a world and it's different from Shopify, from what I understand. That you have a physical product opportunity and a digital product opportunity, uh, just a lot of different places it can go. So I, I think that's. Uh, you know, a bit of advice to store owners is, is having an opportunity to stay agile. You know, it's, it's not a, the same world as it was before where it's just, you know, you can only make money one way. Um, you know, I think it's really, there's an opportunity to look at your business to say what kind of value can you provide to people even in, you know, you, even in your competition. Like for instance, if you're a coffee, if you were a coffee store and you roasted your beans you know, maybe there's some online training barista courses you can offer and maybe even do them in your store that you could put out and sell courses on who knows, but there's just, there's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful time to be alive and have the internet as a tool. And do I, think that. You're, I think you're so right there, Cody, what I see it as building value, which isn't based on price reduction. It's right. building an experience. Um, so, 
differentializes yourself from the competition without going into discount. Um, that's how I see it. I think another area, because I knew this would be a reasonably long conversation because it's such a big subject and we have to have you back if yeah. you enjoyed the experience. But I'd like to kind of also get your views about how mobile has changed e-commerce and how you've been dealing with that conversation with your clients. Yeah, so with WooCommerce, it's tricky, right? Because you have... Well, first of all, we understand with online shopping and e-commerce, it's everyone is using mobile for their research, for what they're doing. But the the flip side to that is I'm not exactly sure if it's always that somebody is transacting on mobile. I would argue that there's a lot of that, but all of the research is being done on mobile, I would argue. So and it's different use cases, right? Like if I'm, if I've got multiple products I have to buy and I have to get, you know, into photos and read about it, it, there's fatigue that comes in mind with when you're on a subway or you're on a bus or you're doing, or you're driving, hopefully you're not driving and researching, but um, you've got a Tesla. eh, Apparently so, (laughs) you know, uh, there's just, we really have to understand the audience. And I think the the myth here is that, responsive is responsive things are good enough for e-commerce. I'd argue it's not the case because what we're missing on from a design standpoint and specifics on mobile use cases and views are when you see, you know, different customers, how they're getting their information. It's just like you see this, this huge mental fatigue where menu, logo, search bar, cart. And then, you know, that's all the stuff that maybe a, a responsive theme ships. Right. And it's like, I get to get down to the photo, find out more information, find out the other additional products. And it's not, mobile's a challenge. I mean, it's not, it's it's a difficult situation. So I think this is really where it helps to really have a good user interface chops, really have good user experience and user interface chops to really understand how to advise customers. Because again, all of the research is being done on mobile and you have to really be able to capture them and put that information easy as possible to find. Otherwise, they're gonna they're gonna get uh, you know they're gonna convert with somebody who's doing it a lot better than you are. Well, I think you put it really fantastic, and this is why you know working with somebody like Cody or John, I think I think there's different stages. But when you are you know you've been to Shopify, this is my recommendation. You've tested, you utilize Amazon like Cody recommended, and I totally. Um, agree with him um, and the things that John have said and you tested and you're making revenue this is why Wook going to WordPress might be a really because really working having a system that you can customize that you can test can make an enormous return on the investment can't it absolutely um this has been a great episode we'd love to have you back uh you know later uh in a future episode uh we'll be in touch and 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 we'll schedule like a date to have you back on individual like spotlight episode for sure uh cody how do oh yeah uh before i let everybody like introduce it like tell us how to find them want to give like one last like final kind of shout out to our sponsor liquid web remember Go to liquidweb.com slash WordPress. Use code WPTONIC33. You get 33% off your first six months with them. Um, and also, if you're enjoying the podcast, go to iTunes. Give us a detailed review. We'll, uh, you know, Perhaps we'll read your review on air, give you a shout-out, give you a fist bump. Uh, a lot of people are listening to this show. Our numbers are going up like just like a rocket. So thank you so much for that. Uh, with that, Cody, how do we find you? How do we get a hold of you? Well, personally, you can find me at Cody L on Twitter. Uh, that's where I tend to spend most of my time. Uh, modeeffect.com, just like it sounds, M-O-D-E-E-F-F-E-C-T.com. And we're also at Twitter at modeeffect and Facebook forward slash modeeffect. And, um, yeah, happy to happy to be a uh, part of the show today, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, thank you. 
It's been, a, it's been a pleasure, and uh, uh, I think we've opened hopefully some eyes, not only to the, some of the difficulties because I do want it to be a downer, but I think there's also great, still great um, upsides if you do, if you can do this right. Um, just to finish off, folks, what my great co-host said about Liquid Web is, um, you know, Chris Lemmer is part of their team. Um, AJ Morris and Chris Lemmer hopefully will be joining us um, this month for in-depth conversation about what Liquid Web's plans are going to be. Um, we hope they will continue to be our chief sponsor because we think they're a great company that's um, going to do great things in the WordPress community. And we're excited that they're our sponsor, aren't, aren't we, John? Yeah, definitely. And if you, if you are interested in being a sponsor, you can go to uh, wp tonic.com. Uh, slash podcast dash sponsorship. Just Google podcast sponsorship for WP Tonic. You'll find it. There's yeah. information if you're interested as well. Jonathan, how do we get a hold of you? It's quite easy, folks. Um, I'm normally on um, uh, Twitter at Jonathan Denwood. Um, I try and be on there almost every day. Um, and um, just email me. I do reply when the email is obviously personalized and aimed at me. I always have the courtesy of replying to it. Um, not normally the same day, but you will get a personal reply from me. Um, if it's not just some spam stuff, you're asking me an intelligent question, you get an honest reply. And that's at, that's Jonathan at wp-tonic.com. And you can get a hold of me at lockdowndesign.com. You can follow me on Twitter, lockdown underscore, or like my Facebook page. It's just facebook.com slash lockdowndesign. For the WP Tonic, we're saying adios, arrivederci, sayonara, peace out, we out of here. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.